Hey, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 1. And as you're doing that, while Tyler was uh, praying for us at, at the end of the worship and song, uh, a scripture came to my mind that I wasn't thinking about at all. And it goes back to um, Jacob. When Jacob was literally running for his life, he slept one night, he used a rock for a pillow. You gotta be tired to do that. And he had that Jacob's dream of the ladder going up and down. And Jacob woke up the next morning and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. And I'm just sharing that for some of you here this morning that you're going, this Christmas, I'm ready to skip. And the Lord wants to remind you, he's in this place. He's in your home. His hand is on your life. He's got this. Anybody say amen? amen? Anybody on this side say amen? I mean, these guys are... Just notice all the new people are sitting over here like for a quick exit. If they didn't like how it's going, just... Uh, you guys got me concerned. Anyway, we're in Luke chapter 1. We're talking about the wonder of Christmas part 2, which is a Savior's provided. Now, we're going to do a brief review of last week. In part one, we talked about a Savior is promised. And we started with this. We may not know God's ways. Remember Isaiah 55? His ways are beyond finding out. But we know God's heart. His heart is for his kids. His heart is that he doesn't want anyone to perish. When you read that, he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He wants everybody to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We know his heart. And I talked about uh, with the Savior promise, we went into St. Jude's Hospital, their ads, remember that? And, and I, I get this, I'm, I don't know about you, man, it hits my heart. I see some of these pictures, look at this girl. Bolo head, I don't know, how old is she? Holding the sign, you're my hero. I mean, that my heart melts. And here's another girl with a little teddy bear or whatever in her, in her bed. Here's the, the three. The, these girls are the Kolohi girls, you know. They're just, they got it working. And, but but what, it, it breaks your heart two ways, right? And number one, it breaks your heart for the kids. Don't you struggle with it? I mean, I'm not the only one to go, Lord, I don't get it. Come on, nine years old. And, and they're dying of cancer. They've got one shot at this thing called life. And you're in control. You, you're you, you can heal them? I don't understand. And, and so when I see pictures like this, my heart goes out. Yours does too. I, I'm not questioning God's sovereignty or wisdom or, or how much he's using it. I just, it hurts. But then it also hurts for the parents. See, when I see the ads, I, I look for the parents because they are sacrificing like nobody's business. Then I shared why I relate so much to this, that seven years ago I was diagnosed with, with prostate cancer and it was very treatable. And I, my wife and I took what we called a radiation vacation. Not radiation, but it's um, proton beaming therapy. Really great way to get treated. I'm 100% healed of it. Uh, but what's, what's interesting, here I am with a, oh, you can barely see her, this cute, beautiful girl that... Uh, I don't know, 9, 10. I had treatable prostate cancer. She had brain cancer. I doubt she's alive today. 
This was her last ditch effort. That outside of a miracle, she wasn't going to make it. And uh, so here we are at this event. My wife took this picture. The thing is, we knew we had cancer. We we all knew, uh, and it was nobody's in denial. You see, I I've done. I did a funeral for a friend, Jack Walrath, a member of this church who died of prostate cancer. I know if it's not treated, you can die of this stuff. And so it reminds me of church. You know what? We're all sinners. And we're here to admit it. We're no one's in denial. And if you want to say, well, I'm less than perfect, well, let's call it a sinner. It's missing the mark. It's falling short. So we all had cancer. We knew it. We needed help. And we knew it. But I looked at the parents. They would do anything. They would sacrifice anything for the kids. I remember talking to this gal's mom. And I'm thinking, how, how are you sleeping? How are you? The, the, the traveling, the money, the sacrifice. It was just amazing. And I realized parents will do anything for their kids. And that's what the Christmas is all about. It's the gospel where our Heavenly Father, God Almighty, would do anything for his kids, his cake. He, meaning he's not going to lie. He, he's not going to sin, but he'll sacrifice. See, if you ever doubt God's love and who hasn't, look to the cross. Look to the cross and you go, that's a father sacrificing his son for me. And I should never doubt God's love again. All right, we talked about Eve. She was the first person deceived, remember? In Genesis chapter 3, she, she was the first to be tempted. She crossed that line. She's the first to feel guilt. Now, I don't know if that registers because she was created pure, lovely. Uh, her husband was too. All she had ever experienced was love, joy, and peace. Never knew a bad feeling takes one bite, and now is convinced God hates me. Now is convinced I have failed God Almighty. It'll never be the same again. Her soul was assaulted with this crazy feeling like, I, I can't believe I brought this upon myself. You ever been there? Where you just think, I, I, I just, I'm sorry, I feel God hates me. I, 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 I have failed him. I'll... It'll never be the same again. That's what Adam and Eve were feeling in, at this point. Now, <laughs> she was the first to sow fig leaves. Uh, the, the good news, uh, you've done so too. Uh, actually, most of us have sown forests of fig leaves. You know, just a lot of them. Just trying to cover up. You notice there's no repentance. There's no confession. There's let's try and cover up. And then it was blame shifting. Uh, why are you looking at well, first with Adam? Which is interesting. He's the head of the house, right? Head of the home. Eve was the first to fall. And God said, Adam, where are you? You're the head of the home. And so Adam goes, you know that woman you gave me? She's a real winner. You know, she's a real piece of work that uh, you and I, God, were fine until she came along. Why don't you just take her out of the picture? We'll go back to being groovy. And then he says, don't look at me. It's that snake. What was I doing talking to a serpent anyway? 
And instead of repentance and I'm busted, you got me. It's like, oh, let's blame somebody else. And then to wonder, could it ever be the same again? Could I ever have this fellowship with God again? Will, will he ever see me as pure? Because I'm not. And then so here's God. God the Father looks down at his kids, right? Like the patients, like the, the parents of the cancer patients look at their kids. He doesn't see repentance. He doesn't see an ounce of confession or contrition. It's just, let's cover up, let's blame someone else, but none of this, I'm busted. I have sinned. And in that position, in that situation, God says, I'm, I'm going to make a commitment to you. I'm not waiting for your confession. I'm not waiting for repentance. I love you too much to let you go on this way. And so would God do just about anything? Would he sacrifice just about anything? It's at that point he gives the first gospel. It's called proto-evangelium in, in the original language or in a foreign language. It means the first gospel. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, God says this to Satan. He shall bruise your head you will bruise his heel. The first gospel, meaning Satan, Jesus Christ is going to smash your head. He's going to destroy the works of the destroyers. But in doing so, it's going to require the cross. And that's going to be your way of bruising his heel. So right there was the first uh, mention or the first promise of the gospel. From there, we have others like in Matthew 1 where it says, you're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. So there was the promise. And you think, what, 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 how, how big is a promise? What does that mean? And why is that so important to God? Like I love my, I have a saying, the God who cannot lie makes promises he cannot break. So in Psalm 138 verse 2, it says this, for you have magnified your word above your name. And you go, well, I don't know. His names are pretty common, not the name of Jesus. Because in Philippians 2, it says this, Jesus has the name above all names. Have you ever pictured this? That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. We don't know if that's all at once or if it's this one last ditch effort before they're cast into hell and they get, oh, Lord, Jesus, you're the one. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. So that's the name above all names. And God says, yeah, but my word, my promise to you is even more sacred. I put it above that because I want you to be able to trust me, God speaking. That when I say you're forgiven, you're forgiven. When I say you're heaven bound, you're heaven bound. When I say you're in trouble, you're in trouble. So this week, we go into part two. All right? Now he's provided. So we, we did quote this last week, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. See that word given? He's given. He's provided. Now, what's the most annoying song about giving? It's a Christmas song. Boy, did I stump you guys. How about this one? The 12 days of Christmas. Have you ever thought 
What does it mean, 10 lords a leaping? Do you ever picture this? I mean, are they in those green tights with the funny shoes with the curly cues and some weird hat? And just, like, I don't want to picture that. And then you've got the 11 whatever singing and four calling birds. You know how annoying those things are. Ah! Ah! Who wants all that at once? You're seeing the guys jumping. I think this guy was on LSD when he wrote that song. Like, whoa, man. Now, if you get that gift today, all 12 days, how much do you think that's going to cost? Any guess? It's over $45,000. Listen, just send the check, all right? Save the birds. But it can be so annoying. Gifts given. How about you? How, what were you like in Christmas as a kid? What was your, your number one go-to? I never got it. I wanted, I was a big fan of Roy Rogers. Some of you have no idea who that is. God bless you, you're too young. He was this cowboy who had a Palomino named Trigger. And I always wanted a Palomino. So my parents every year, they go, hey, what do you want for Christmas? All I want to know is a Palomino. And so my, you know, there were four of us, there was a, a lot of gifts under the tree. Christmas morning, I ran, this was my thing. I just ran by the tree, and I look out in the garage, or I look out in the driveway for my Palomino, and there's no horse. So I'm just thinking, man, I'm bummed. <laughs> one year, they gave me one of those little rocker things. It just, well, yeah, big thrill. It wasn't happening, okay? But for me, it was all about things. Christmas meant getting things. And when I didn't get that thing, then I'd be totally disappointed. I like what Pastor Greg Laurie wrote in his book, His Christmas Presents. He wrote this. That's why all of those people out there who work so tirelessly to take Jesus Christ out of Christmas will receive exactly what they want, a meaningless holiday with an emphasis on material possessions and acquiring stuff. No, there's a gift that God wants to give. He's provided it. So here's our outline, and it goes quickly. First, we're going to hear Mary's going to hear some news. Then Joseph, <laughs> Joseph is, what a man of faith. He's going to hear some news. What? The innkeeper's going to give some news, and shepherds are going to hear some news. So let's start in Luke chapter 1. I'm reading from the New King James Bible. Chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel, this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. She's an older woman about to have John the Baptist as her firstborn. So in the sixth month, angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city. We just sang about that. city of Galilee named Nazareth of all places. He was sent to a virgin who was betrothed, so we're going to want to know what that means. Betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord's with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled. I guess so. I would be. She's troubled as saying, and 
considered what kind of greeting this was, and the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. I wish every woman here could hear this this morning. You found favor with God. Behold, well, not this part, every woman. Does. <laughs> You're going to have a baby. <laughs> You're going to conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus, and he'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there'll be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how, how can this be? I don't I'm a virgin. I've never known a guy. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. This makes sure there's no intercourse or weird stuff going on. This is the Shekinah glory of God is going to overshadow her. The Holy One will be born or who will be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age. It's the sixth month. Notice verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according, uh, according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, so Mary hears this good news. First off, you go to Nazareth. Remember when guy came up in, the, in uh, John 1 and said, hey, we found the Messiah, he's from Nazareth. Remember his answer? Nazareth? Can anything good come out of that town? That, that's just the hoodlum area. So he's born up there, and then, uh, then when the angels announced him to her, she, she's troubled by his words. Have you ever seen an angel? I mean, it's like, like I'd be troubled by his presence. I'd be troubled by the sight of him. We had a funeral in here not too long ago for a good friend. And uh, I'm telling you, man, sorry if this offends some. there was a big moke of a guy, huge guy, comes up to me over there. Hey, you look familiar. And I'm going, I literally said, do I owe you money? I mean, <laughs> you're a big moke. And he goes, uh, are you Toby's dad? Yeah, Toby played baseball with this guy when they were little tykes. And so then I got to share with him. But at first, you know, it's just like, whoa, this, this is an awesome sight. And she's going, an angel, and she's troubled because she's so human. She's, she's like us, and, and well, she doesn't have this attitude. Well, it's about time somebody noticed me. You know how good I am? You know how long I've been keeping it clean and, and all that? She doesn't have that attitude. Instead, it's like, how? How's this going to be? You'll be overshadowed by the Shekinah glory of the Lord. So then, she hears, well, your son is going to be called the Son of God. Okay, nobody, you've never heard this from an angel. The Son of God. See, in their culture, that meant your son is going to be equal with God. Your son is going to be God the Son. Is it me or did this just go really strong? Up here, it just took on a whole new level. It must be anointing, I guess. So uh, anyway, then for this, for God, with God, nothing is impossible. So Mary hears this news and she accepts. But if you're thinking it through, 
She's going, how am I going to explain this to everybody? We think she might have been 15, 16 years old. And all of a sudden, she's going to have a, a baby bump. And yet she's never been with a guy. Oh, she's betrothed to a guy, but you can't have sex during that time. And so here she's thinking, not for nine months. This is going to go on for decades. God is doing something in my life that I can't explain right now. It's kind of embarrassing. And you'll never believe me, but it's going to take some time. Have you ever been there? And maybe it's your kids act up. Maybe it's your spouse act up. Maybe you act up. And you go, you know what? God's doing something. I'm having results. I'm not sure what all's going on. I just know God's involved. And I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to stay true. That's what Mary's going through. So then we go to Joseph. He's going to hear some news. So we go from Luke over to Matthew. So in Matthew 1, verse 18... Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, there's that word again, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was mindful to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll bring forth a, a son. You're going to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the, the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. He didn't know her, wasn't intimate, uh, until she brought forth her firstborn son. And they called his name Jesus. Now, isn't Joseph kind of your hero? I mean, don't you think his dad ridiculed him like, Wait, your girlfriend's pregnant and you're believing it? That she was never with, that's impossible. Do you think his friends were saying, hey, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Get out of that relationship. It took an angel to speak to him. Now, he was the kind of man that any woman would want to marry. Just this wonderful guy, uh, didn't even want to embarrass her. See, at this point, he actually could have had her killed. For, for being pregnant and being, you know, his future bride. He could have had her killed. He goes, I don't want to put her to shame. I don't want to just, you know, prove that I'm so innocent, which is our natural tendency. I'm innocent. They're guilty. I mean, my goodness, that happens on social media all the time. But no, he doesn't want that. So the betrothal, the vows of a betrothal are just as strong as the vows of marriage. Matter of fact, if you're betrothed, to become unbetrothed, you'd have to get a divorce. Now, I've read about betrothal, studied it. One of the, I think like the first time I went to India, they said, hey, Mike, we're going to a betrothal. I'm awesome. I want to hear that. I want to see this. 
And so I go there innocent, whatever. I just want, this is Indian culture, just kind of Jewish culture. It's fascinating. <clears throat> then they go, for some reason, they wanted me on stage. They always want the foreigner on stage. The token Howley guy, you know. And uh, they come up to me, hey, uh, you're going to share about betrothal for 20 minutes. I go, dude, my whole wedding ceremony is 20 minutes. What am I going to say? For, what am I going to say? They, no, you're on. And now all of a sudden, I hear my name being introduced. Mike Stangle is going to share about betrothal. And I go up there like this, and this poor girl looks up at me like, like, who are you and what are you doing here? But see, a betrothal is just as committed as a marriage, just there's no intimacy. Like I said, to become unbetrothed, this is way more than engaged. To become unbetrothed, you have to get a divorce. And so it was at this point, Joseph and Mary had already be entered the betrothal. They're already promised to each other. Joseph's best man is overseeing Mary, making sure there's no hanky-panky going on. So Joseph, when he hears that Mary's praying, he'd go to his best friend, hey, what's up? You failed me. No, man, she's clean. She is clean. He said, no, well, you're betrothed, and you have basically said, God Almighty, hear me out, hold me accountable. From this moment on, I am committed to this one person. So it was at that point that this angel shows up. Joseph obeys, and Joseph was the man of the home. Remember, what is it, what's the best verse on the husband, the man, being the head of the household? Adam, let's talk. Eve was the first to fall. Adam was the first to answer. So then we go to the innkeeper. Now, he's more famous for saying the wrong thing. So we're back in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out to the, from Caesar Augustus that, that all the world should be registered. This census uh, first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to, to, to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. See the emphasis in that? And she was with child. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to, to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, notice, because there was no room for them in the inn. That means an innkeeper had to go, sorry, we have no room. So here's where the, the bad news is. Picture this, Caesar Augustus. He thought of himself as the savior of the world. Let me read this to you, because it's so bizarre. Um, here it is. He, uh, where did I? Of course, it jumped on me here. Caesar Augustus thought of himself as the savior of the world. History tells us that he was the great nephew of Julius Caesar. Remember et tu, et tu Brute? 
He rose to power by defeating Anthony and Cleopatra. So this is somebody. He was the first Caesar to use the title Augustus, which means of the gods. Archaeologists have discovered an inscription dating back to the, to the reign of Caesar. It read, Caesar Augustus, the savior of the world. So he thinks he's the world's savior. No, but he had a, point, a part in this. The Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. They're up north in Nazareth. There's not a direct route. You usually would go east, even cross the River Jordan, then go south, cross it again, and go to, to uh, Bethlehem, usually about 90 miles. So the question, how do you get a, a, a nine-month pregnant or eight-month pregnant woman to travel 90 miles? Well, this guy says, I, I want you to be counted. You have to go back to your hometown. And, and so here's, here's the thought. In Romans, well, we studied this recently. In Romans 13, it says, you know, you need to obey your government. You need to pay taxes. And if you're not, you need to. That's what the Bible is saying. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Now, what if Joseph and Mary thought, no, we don't have to be subject to that. A God of love would not make us go 90 miles, in the, and it was a miserable time of year, rainy, cold, windy, and what if at every step, man, how could a God of love do this? But they did it, and then prophecy was fulfilled there in Bethlehem. Now, the busy innkeeper. Don't you think he missed the greatest opportunity, advertising opportunity imaginable? You know, what if you could put on your social media you can stay in the room where the Messiah was born. I mean, what would you charge for that? Ten grand? A, a night? He, he could have said, Jesus was born here. But he blew it. He said, no, there's no room here for, for you. But yet, in a sense, we're all innkeepers. You see that? We all have, an in, we're innkeepers of our heart. That's why this song goes, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let every heart prepare him room. This guy blew it. Which brings us to our last point. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Again, reading from the New King James Bible. Luke 2. You there? Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord, a lot of angels and getting busy at this point. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring, I, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there's born to you this day. I like that. This day, born to you in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. So it was when the angels had gone away from them that, that into, um, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go down to Bethlehem. And see this thing that the Lord uh, has come to pass, 
which the Lord has made known to us. And they with haste found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told them. So in our last group of people hearing the news, it was these shepherds. Shepherds were the lowlifes at that time. Shepherds couldn't testify in a court of law. They weren't trusted. You'd never want to say, hey, mom, I'm engaged to a shepherd. No. And yet God sent his angels to appear to them. And tidings of great joy. I'm ready to hear that every morning. I'm ready. I, just, I don't know about you, but I am attracted to people of encouragement. I just gravitate to them. Tidings of great joy. Negative people I struggle with. I'm sorry if I looked at you when I said that. I'm not pointing out anybody. I just love encouragement. I love great joy. And here's these angels going, I give you tidings of great joy. Now, here's the deal. This, this is a qu direct quote. I don't know where I read it. But one, one guy answered, somebody was trying to witness to him. He goes, you know what? If you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you're going to have to look a lot more redeemed. Yeah, I don't see any difference between your sinful lifestyle and my sinful lifestyle. I don't see any collision course with the Holy God. I, I just, I want to see proof of someone who's ran into Jesus Christ. So it says, this day a Savior is born means we're going to be saved from sin. I don't know if you've ever been to Waimea when a guy's being rescued. It's pretty cool. It's usually 30 foot, bigger. So usually the bay is closing out. It's humongous when one wave covers Waimea Bay from the right to the left. Just comes up. And the guy lost his board. He's drowning. He's getting pummeled by all the waves. And then the, the fire department sends out his helicopter with a little basket. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. You know, and they have one basket that they let down. I've been there when it happened. I've never seen the guy go, um, do you have anything in blue? You know? I don't like this color, it clashes. <laughs> no, you just take it. You're so thankful I am saved from drowning. But in this case, we are saved from drowning in sin. So we all need to be saved. It says, Christ the Lord, that means he's more than just a companion. Yeah, I was hanging with Jesus. Well, that's really good, but is he your Lord? See, someone who rents a house has a, a landlord who owns the house, and I pay him rent so I can just stay here, but it's his house, not mine. Well, it's his body, not mine. He's my Lord. I'm supposed to do what he says to do. And it says this day. Never put off an eternal decision. Let me share something with you. I love 
I love sharing the Lord with people. I just, I love, and you heard my opening line, if nothing else, hey, you go to church? I don't know. It works. And if they hesitate, they go, wrong answer, and laugh, you know, but, but I mean it. And, and obviously, I'm not about going to church. I'm about going to a Savior. But that's just my often an opening line. But I tell you what, uh, what I get to eventually. If you had died last night, you'd be in one of two places in eternity right now, heaven or hell. Where would you be and why would you be there? Because if you're planning on going to heaven and you start by saying, I've been a good person, you're missing the entire point. You're trying to get there on your own good work. No, it doesn't work that way. If you say, I'm going to heaven because I've received a Savior, because I've made an eternal decision to surrender my life to this one that fulfilled over 300 pinpoint prophecies, God Almighty showing me this is the one Savior. Give your life to him. You'll be forgiven of sin, and you'll enter into heaven. So then we close with this. Hark, the herald angels. I want to break this song up for you because we just kind of run into it. Hark, what, what, what are they singing? Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sin are reconciled. Remember Eve? Back, will, will, will it ever go away? Will I ever get right with God again? God and sin are reconciled. You know what grieves me? When I was growing up in elementary school, in public school, every year we would have Christmas plays, we would sing songs like this about God and sinner reconciled. No one thought twice about it. It was Christmas season. We had Easter break. We had Christmas break. And now we're trying extra hard to get God out of it. But here, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And I love this thought. Jesus Christ is not a rags to riches story. It's the opposite. It's a riches to rags story. He was in heaven above. He had it made. And he stepped aside from all that, took on poverty so that he could save us. Four things. Number one, can you relate to Mary this morning? Are you sitting there going, well, God's doing something in my life. I don't really understand it. It's kind of embarrassing, and it's going to take a while before it makes any sense. But I'm not leaving him. I'm being faithful. Can you relate to Joseph? Kind of tempted to take the easy way out. Ah, Mary, it's really hard to believe your story. But I'm sticking to it. I'm with you. I made a commitment to you, and I'm going to keep it. How about the innkeeper? Just way too busy. And that's why I think, if, that's, if that was you coming in here this morning, that's why I think that Scripture was for people here, not just one. When Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place, I didn't even know it. I was so busy. I was fretting. I, I was just at the end of it. Now I realize God's in control. God's got this. How about the shepherds who hear, heard there's a Savior?
that unto this day a Savior is born, unto us this day a Savior is born. How do you explain to someone how to receive Christ? I mean, we're here to get equipped, to get built up, but then we're supposed to take it to our mission field. Matter of fact, one of my slides is uh, this one. You're now entering your mission field. How do you explain to someone how to get saved? Because I think we should be doing this every day. And I, I just do it with my testimony. Hey, I was driving my car. I had this GTO. And God just knocked on the door of my heart. And I said, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. That's all I pray. What's that, four words, five words? But what I meant, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I've got like cancer. And I need help. And I can't do this on my own. And at that moment in time, Jesus Christ came into my life. He made a commitment to me. He forgave me of my sins. And I'm heaven-bound simply because of Jesus Christ. I have messed up big time since then. I even went to jail. But now I'm following my Savior, Jesus Christ. How do you tell someone how to accept the Lord? You answer that knock on your heart. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I surrender all, a song says. It could be your own words, but it's that point in time when you say, I need forgiveness. I give you my life, Lord Jesus. I'm going to close in prayer right now.